are recording, and you can go ahead and uh, you have to press play whenever you're ready. Well, we have to go back to the beginning. It is. I, it is. I moved it back. Yeah, all you have to do okay. is hit the button on the bottom, the space bar. Okay, so... Just hit the space bar, the button on the bottom. Space bar. Space bar. Space bar, right, right here. That's the space bar. Sorry. That's a button. <laughs> it's not back at the beginning. Now it is. <laughs> Alright folks, welcome back to Cryptocast. I am award-winning filmmaker Mark Ritchie with my business partner. Award-winning filmmaker Christian Stavrakis. And thank you very much for joining us today. Episode 5 is where we're at right now. and uh, Episode 4 was about pre-production or the pre-production process that we experienced in our indie filmmaking journey. Um, and we're going to hold off on production and post-production. That's going to be episode uh, 6. Uh, and the reason being is because before you even get to production or post-production, certainly by the time you get to post-production, there are a few things that you need to do far in advance uh, in the pre-production phase. So this is almost like pre-production episode 2 mm-hmm. or pre-production two point, uh, pre-production 4.1, and that is uh, branding a company name, getting the word out about your picture, and more importantly, or most importantly, I should say, protecting yourself legally. And so we're going to be discussing a lot of this in today's uh, podcast. So I'm going to start off uh, talking about, as most of you already know, if you've listened to our previous podcast, uh, we are the directors, producers, stars of uh, the film Immortal Remains. And I want to talk about the importance of getting the word out about your film long before you even start production. I recall reading an article, and now, uh, for some reason, I unfortunately cannot, I can't locate it. I, I did look for it. I, I can't remember the author. It was an independent filmmaker. It might have been a YouTube clip now that I think about it. Uh, we did a lot of research, uh, a lot of online research prior to, during the pre production phase, prior to production. And I'll never forget this gentleman who said that his biggest mistake ever was that he didn't begin advertising his feature the minute he began principal photography. And I myself was always cautious about that because I was concerned about, this was our first feature. Would we get it off the ground? Would it happen? And would we be, should we be promoting a film that might not ever I don't know if we had the confidence that we needed to say, this is going to get done, this is going to... But even Hollywood, films collapse. Yeah. Uh, well, we had tried it before when we were teenagers. We tried and making... We, and in our 20s, we tried again with Ondina. Yeah. But we, there were a couple of times that we said, we're going to make this movie and, you know, spent and, a lot of money and actually bought props and, built, and, and wrote the script and started shooting. It just fell apart for one reason or another. And so... You know, in the midst of Mark and my kicking ourselves, saying, why why didn't we do this? Why haven't we done this? We finally realized that our, our own worst enemy was ourselves because we never forced ourselves to finish. And that's, that's uh, goal number one. You know, if you set out to make something, make it. Even if it's a piece of shit when you're done, at least you've made it. And it's nothing but practice for something else, you know? Uh, just Just do it. And and key to remember is that regardless of whether or not you finish your film, you still need to begin the promotional process. The promotion process, the promotional campaign for your project does need to begin in the pre-production phase, long before the cameras start rolling. And it's not only just getting the word out about uh, yourself as a filmmaker and, and getting people to recognize you as a filmmaker, but it's all about spreading the word so that things will bubble over the course of uh, principal photography, and in our case, principal photography lasted four fucking years. You know, excuse me, the French, but it's yeah. it's it was it was disheartening to say the least. 
Um, and every step of the way, we kind of thought, will this be it? Will this be the last time that we shoot together? Will we actually get to, are we done filming? And then we discover that we need to reshoot or, you know, add reshoots to the, to the, uh, to the production yeah, it was, schedule. It was a tricky process, but I, I recognized early on that for us, even to take ourselves seriously, we had to form a company. And, uh, you know, a production company that was going to produce this film. And, and future uh, productions. And so I came up with this name, Cryptic Pictures, uh, which, you know, the cryptic because, uh, you know, our first film deals with ciphers and codes and such, and because we've been dealing with, with mysterious subject matter. Thus, Crypticast. Right, Crypticast. That, you know, and Mark said, well, what's, what's the point of doing that? And I said, well, just, you know, go ahead and do the paperwork, find out what it costs to, to form an LLC, because we want to have ourselves covered. And uh, so Mark did that. He actually spent the money and did the homework and formed our company as a legal entity. But not until not until after we had had a conversation with with Ed Sanchez, the director of the Blair Witch, and we, we I know that we mentioned his name quite often. He was a he was a great mentor to us in the process. And I remember being in his living room, and Ed saying, "You know, do you have legal protection?" And I'm thinking, "Well, you know, Ed, we're talking. We don't. We're not going to have a cast of actors. It's going to be people that we know. Who the heck would sue us?" And Ed just had horror story after horror story of what he experienced after Blair Witch. Now, of course, Blair Witch made a lot of money and had a lot of media attention, a lot of recognition, and so anybody and everybody was going to be coming after their their their, their money. Their yeah. money. But at the same time, it hit me: Wow, what would happen if we were to take off? And and what legal protection do we have? We have none or had none at the time. And so, like Chris said, we went through the process. We LLC'd ourselves. Um, and for those of you who aren't aware, an LLC is a limited liability corporation, uh, which means that it's, it's a legal structure, a, a business entity, in which uh, the principal members or partners are protected so that if, say, somebody wants to sue us for shooting in a location that we didn't have permission to shoot in, uh, which, you know, I'm just making this up hypothetically, but um, they would be suing Cryptic Pictures LLC and not Mark Ritchie and Christian Stavakis personally because, of course, that would wipe us out. Because the film came under the umbrella of of, of Cryptic Pictures, the right. company itself. And you do have to protect yourself like this because, uh, like Ed told us, you know, there are, there are people, once, you know, his film did take off and started making millions of dollars, suddenly everybody and their brother was coming after them for a piece of that money, saying, oh, you ripped off our movie, oh, you filmed my relative in an un unflattering light, uh, you know, something like that. And uh, In that particular case, the, the cast member had actually passed away, and the family, the family was went. coming yeah. after him. Yeah. So in any case, you know, the, the goal of, of or the, the, the process of creating your a, 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 an LLC or an incorporation of any sort is, is pretty simple. You can do it through your local state offices, uh, your local state government, you just go to your local state government website, type in, you know, how to how to uh, LLC or how to incorporate in this state or that state or that territory uh, if you're overseas and follow the process. I mean, it's it was minimal that you had to fill out a few pages of paperwork. I think the entire process was about $120 to establish the name. You have to do a name check and make sure that nobody else is using that name and you're established. And then once a year, I think we pay about $300, in, at least in the state of Maryland. We should have done it in Delaware, <laughs> is where we should have incorporated. But um, 
we incorporated in the state of Maryland where every year you have to declare whether or not you own property, whether or not the company owns property. And if you do, you have to pay, uh, you know, a, a tax on the on the value of that property. No, no different than any real estate tax. But in our case, uh, we don't own uh, any real estate. But unfortunately, we have to pay a three hundred dollar fee to tell the the local government that, that we don't, we don't own, own real any real estate. Yeah. But so so three hundred dollars a year. Um, but from that, we garner a lot of protection protection for not only ourselves but for our spouses uh, and for our families. Um, and that is a necessary step in the process of of you know establishing yourself as an independent filmmaker legal protection. The next thing that I would strongly encourage you to do when it comes to we're going to talk about actually. Actually, we're going to talk about hype in our in our. I think it's our next episode. Um, hype is is key. Actually, it's two episodes from now. We're going to talk about the power of hype. We want. To, I want to first say that you shouldn't be you shouldn't be lying about anything. No matter what you do in the in the process of advertising, you should simply be. You can hype up your film. But I don't think you should be making false statements, and, and we'll talk about that at a later time. But there are certain steps that you can take now in the, in the pre-production phases that will help to get your name out there, that will help to establish you in important ways that will benefit you later on down the road. For example, establishing an IMDb account, which is another thing that Chris suggested we do. And I was like, I am not spending, I think it was $35 to upload our poster artwork to IMDb. Who goes to IMDb to reference anything? Well, everybody. <laughs> Chris stopped me and said, "Well, I thought you were the one that researched all the director, all future directors on IMDb." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Well, that's just me. Who else uses IMDb?" But everybody goes to IMDb as their all is their go-to source for film information when you're looking for, you know, credits, film quotes, etc. It's a great it's a fantastic resource. What we discovered is later on down the line, film festivals will rely on your IMDb page to establish as a legitimate source to establish your date of production mm-hmm. or your date of release, which is key when you get to the film festival circuit uh, phase of of post production. So, uh, but we'll talk about that at another time. In any case, establishing an IMDb presence is is key at at this juncture. Uh, let's go on to uh, talk about advertising for your film. And there also, are... before we move on to advertising, if you want to spend the extra bucks to join IMDb Pro, uh, then yes. you have a lot more leeway to add your production company, uh, you know, whatever executives you may have, even if it's just you and your partner or something, you know, like Mark and me are the executives of Cryptic Pictures, but uh, you can establish yourself that way too. And it gives you a lot more uh, chances to put input more information and it, it, it makes you uh, legitimate. I, I know for folks that are out there listening, going, "My God, our 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 the budget for our short is all of five hundred dollars, and you want me to spend a hundred and twenty establishing my company." First of all, the fees are different in every state. Some states more expensive than others. I'm sure in California, it's far more expensive to establish an LLC. There are there are ways around that. If you can get a PO box set up in, in, and pay for the PO box yearly in Delaware, I don't think it costs anything to establish. Or it's very minimal in, in, to establish an LLC. Plus, you don't have to worry about the three hundred dollars uh, a year uh, to establish or to, or to to declare. Uh, the, the fact that you don't own property in Maryland, um, it, as you do in Maryland. Um, uh, so look into perhaps establishing in Delaware if you want to save yourself a few bucks. But the key here is that you begin promoting 
you begin establishing an online presence so that when Google searches do begin to occur, people have a, a point of reference for you, be it IMDB or in the case with Chris and I, we really should have, we, we knew so many filmmakers and independent filmmakers who had podcasts and we didn't exploit that avenue. They would beg us, why don't you come on? I mean, these podcasters and bloggers, they're looking for for uh, anybody to interview. They're looking for young filmmakers and, and to share their experiences. There are There's too many podcasts and too many blogs and not enough resources to, to, to promote and or uh, interview. And so these guys were hungry. They'd be contacting us saying, talk to us about your film. And our concern, of course, was our film's not made. We don't really have anything to talk about. When, in fact, we could have been sharing these exact stories all mm -hmm. along, building a presence, um, an online presence that folks could you know, then relate to. And building an online presence is not just setting yourself up on the IMDb, but also, uh, you know, first of all, the first thing I did when uh, you know we sat down to think of a name for our company, and I looked up Cryptic Pictures, and there was really nothing. And you know the domain was available, so we bought CrypticPictures.com. The Twitter handle was available, and so you know you come up with something unique, and uh, you jump on it. You jump on it, and, and I built you know because I'm a, a you know sort of graphic designer, and I use Photoshop a lot. I built ourselves a logo, and that was you know an imprimatur that we could put on uh, you know various websites and whatever to show that we are. This company, with this this symbol, this entity represents uh, who we are as creative artists, and uh, that's important. You know, business cards, uh, you know, t-shirts and, and, and mugs Merch, and stuff. Eventually, yeah, merchandise. Now, you're not promoting the company per se, but in many ways, you are because you know your your one uh, production that you're working on is not hopefully not going to be your only production. You know, and if you're going to call yourself Slash Your Face Films and make uh, you know a backyard. Friday the 13th knockoff, uh, if you don't care who sees it, then it's no big deal. But if you actually want it to be, uh, you know, distributed in some fashion, then you do need to represent uh, yourself as, as a corporate entity of some sort, even if it's, you know, only on paper. Once we, you know, once we established the company, I, 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 I declared myself as CEO and you took over as C, CEO, the chief, chief creative, creative officer. officer. And when people would email us on the website... I would then get back to them, and they'd see that the CEO was responding to them. They didn't know that we were a two-man operation. Yeah, um, they were to in total shock. I can't believe the CEO of Cryptic Pictures himself responded. wrote us. They don't yeah. know you're an invisible entity online. You are only what what branding you have established, and that's how people view you. Mm -hmm. um, and it was so funny. My wife would just chuckle. You know, I mean, I said, "Look, we're a legal company. I'm a CEO of the company." Uh, but she, you know, look at me and go, "You're just my husband. You're no CEO." <laughs> you know, but 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 when but folks don't know that people don't know that, and um, I mean, we treated the offices with great respect and um, our fan base with great respect in that in that uh, uh, through that entire process. But I, I was I was I found it kind of funny when I started to realize. Oh wow! The reason these people are so excited and exclamation mark exclamation mark smiley face when they'd respond to me, thank you so much for getting back to me. I started realizing, wow, they must contact a lot of other film companies, and, and nobody bothers to get back their back. asses. Certainly not the CEO. Yeah. Um, and uh, at this point, I have to mention that is, you know when you're promoting yourself, whether you're on Twitter or or Instagram or Facebook or your own website, grammar is important, and I try and explain that to Mark. And of course, dear Mark. I love him dearly, but it's, you know, Mark is, he gets things done. Okay, I'm a stickler for detail, but Mark gets things done. If he says, I'm going to write this thing by Thursday, it's done Wednesday night. And uh, if I'm lucky, I have a chance to proofread it, because Mark will plow through and get it done. 
but sometimes that final polish is what it needs to make you look professional, and that that is important. So have somebody look at your at your text before you go posting it or whatever, you know, because it, it's it, believe me when I say the difference between your and your, you know, or there and there, it does make a difference, especially when somebody wants to view you as a as a, a legitimate corporate entity, and they think, well, this guy can't even spell correctly, then. What what kind of work are they going to do? Which is why uh, Chris is sort of our maestro of, of social media. And aside from the fact that I sometimes don't spell check myself. Uh, <laughs> but spell check can uh, be a trap too. Yeah, yeah, I totally agreed. Chris was kind enough to take over the social media component, something of which I, I understood the value of, but something I did not want to have to deal with myself. And God bless him for... Uh, getting onto Twitter and building a, a fan base, building a fan base on our social media sites such as Instagram and, and Facebook. But I, I want to explain something about social media that is key. Uh, although Chris was on these sites and he did a lot of work trying to understand how do you send a message on Twitter because you just don't type anything. There is a code, a language that you use in the social media world, particularly with Twitter. And Chris would say, we can't get on and just promote ourselves. Nobody likes a troll that is that is only talking about who they are or promoting their product. These are social social media is a conversation. It's an online format for conversation. Yeah, it's not you, you have to be social. You can't just stand and shout about your project over and over. And there are people on Twitter that I have actually, you know, unfollowed for that reason because it was, you know, 12 times a day they were tweeting about the same book or the same movie. Hey, check out our movie hashtag whatever. And it just got tiresome, and finally I had to, you know, block or mute them because it was just, you know, they're beating it to death. And I'm sure, it, you know, all of these are worthy endeavors, but there's a way to to establish a presence and not hit people over the head with your project so much that they're sick of it. So uh, what I did in the case of Cryptic Pictures was just to engage. I found all these, you know, the horror uh, you know, podcasters and websites and stuff online, and I started following people and connecting with people who are interested in in the genre. And, uh, you know, as of now, we have uh, almost 2,800 followers, which is not a lot as far as Twitter goes, but, you know, almost 3,000 followers is a lot more than we started out with. Shockingly, that actually puts us in the top 95 percentile. Really? Uh, most Twitter, uh, most Twitter, uh, uh, do, we refer, do we refer to them as handles? Or most uh, Twitter, yeah, Twitter accounts? Handles, yeah. Uh, have less than 100 followers uh, because you know it's your it's you and your you're in high school and you've got a Twitter account although most high schoolers are now using Instagram or Snapchat but actually once you hit the 2000 uh, uh, follower marker you're already in the 95 percentile hmm. of of uh, of Twitter uh, uh, accounts and uh, Instagram I, you know we have an Instagram account yep. and uh, we have a good number of followers because of uh, yeah I think when I attached it to Facebook they all saw that cryptic pictures was me. And right. so all my friends have sort of following on, on Instagram. Instagram is all about photography. You snap a picture and here's what's going on. And, you know, we haven't really been doing much lately that it's, it's not on paper or on the computer. So there's no point in posting pictures every now and again. Uh, so, I, you know, every now and then I'll pop something on there, but just to, just to keep it fresh. So uh, these social, social media, these platforms are organisms. You have to view them as living organisms. They need to be something that you engage on a regular basis. And I'm not talking about hourly. I'm talking about weekly and probably no less than weekly. You need to engage, even if it's just a comment or a retweet. Yeah, uh, something feed, that shows feed the goldfish or it will die. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, now... The other thing that Chris and I realized, of course, as I've been mentioning, you know, we, we failed in realizing that we needed to promote our film much earlier. When we did finally get 
to the point where we were like, okay, the film's done. I think we need to start reaching out. It was it was it was too late, and it took us a long time to get uh, to build up any momentum. To build any momentum whatsoever, to get our our our, our cleats <clears throat> dug into the ground and 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 begin pushing. But once we did open up that door podcasters were, were flocking. They were absolutely, we'd love to help you guys out. The community was so welcoming, so open. Oh, yeah. And, and I think of, of, of you know, and, and many of you are thinking, well, sure, I'll go on my buddy's podcast. I'm talking about some major sites here that reached out. When we reached out to them, they reached out positively to us. And I think of two in particular, Fangoria.com mm-hmm. and, and, and of, the, of, the, of, the old, uh, of the old Fangoria magazine, yep. a namesake, and, and DreadCentral.com. Yeah, and uh, Ken at Fangoria and Debbie at Dread Central, they've been uh, incredibly helpful, incredibly supportive. Uh, you know, it, it can't it can't hurt you in any way to contact these guys and say, look, here's the movie we are making or we have made, and uh, if you, would you like to write an article about it? Or can I submit an article about it? If you feel confident enough to write it yourself, sometimes they will let you. But uh, that you, you certainly have to let people know that it's there. And again, like Mark said, we were, you know, years behind we should have been promoting ourselves when we started shooting it. It's also key later on in the festival circuit. Not only will will the, these festivals, these film festivals, uh, look at your IMDb page to establish release date or date of production, but oftentimes, I think in the case of Sundance or some of the major film festivals, you need to have an online public reference of some sort. You need to have been mentioned in an article by a legitimate site. I think that's to, um, just to get onto the IMDb, your production. It oh, has okay, to be, all right. It has that to be a reference. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. So it's key. And so begin this process early. Now, in our case, our film was a horror thriller, a psychological thriller, and so we reached out to sites that were relative to our film genre. Um, but in your case, there, you have to do the research online to find out I'm making a comedy. Well, what is your comedy about? Well, it's about two guys that are trying to break into the Olympics. Well, I'm sure there are Olympic podcasts out there um, that are looking for you know sources of entertainment that 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 people that are uh, Olympic athletes or who want to be Olympic athletes or families of Olympic athletes that could relate to. And I'm, I'm just sort of making this up hypothetically, but. You need to begin the advertising process very in the very, very early stages. Don't let this come back and bite you. And, and I will say this. We haven't spent a dime on advertising. Save our merchandise, which we recoup with every sale. And, and without spending a dime on it, we haven't bought one Facebook ad. We haven't spent one dime on any of the sites. All we did was we were looking for free promotion, Articles to be written, podcast interviews to be aired, and now we have fans in the UK, Ireland, Netherlands, as far south as Australia, New Zealand, all over the US, and that is thanks to these podcasters who helped spread the word, the interviews that we did. Dread Central, Fangoria, all of this. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the film festivals that we were. The gentleman in, in oh what gosh, what's his name up in Baltimore? Um, the young Baltimore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, darn it! Now I can't remember. I it mean, was, uh, was it Will? Uh, no, not Will Brownbridge. Uh, that was in Canada. I mean, we, we, like I'm saying, we even reached out to, to to folks in Canada, or they reached out to us. I mean, these folks were just so supportive. You can't you can't pass up this opportunity to spread the word as early as possible. And that is certainly one of the, the pavement. one of the advantages to working in the horror genre, in particular. And this has been true of horror for many, many years. Is that it's an easy way to crack the industry, to get into the film industry, because a horror movie doesn't necessarily even have to be good as long as it's either scary or gross. 
you know, look at the films of Herschel Gordon Lewis that he was making back in the in the uh, early to mid '60s, the films like Blood Feast and the Two Thousand Maniacs. And uh, I saw an interview with him once, and he said the acting is atrocious, but that's not why people go to see these movies. They're not going to see a good performance. They're going to see somebody's tongue get ripped out. And so, if you provide that, if you have that that payoff, then they're satisfied, even if the rest of the movie is total corn. In this day and age, there's a fan base for everything. Oh, yeah. The, the niche market that has been established thanks to the online world, be it, be it YouTube or Vimeo or any of these sites that give voice to independent filmmakers, is remarkable. Uh, and again, the, the horror audience in particular, that's, you know, we're such a big uh, fan base of people that love the classic horror films and the horror films of the 80s. And so by appealing to those people, say, look, we love these too, and here's what our movie is an homage to. Uh, you know, they, they understand that and get it and they appreciate what you've done. Now, you don't have to make a horror film. You know, you can appeal to uh, comedy fans, like Mark said, or to, you know, uh, uh, prison escape movies or something. But the, the point is to find your audience and let early. them know, or find it early. early. Yeah, find your audience early and let them know that you are in production, that you are making this film uh, for people who appreciate a cer- certain kind of movie and that you are open to, to uh, satisfying their their craving for stories. And that may, in turn, help your Kickstarter campaign, which we discussed in episode four, yeah. by building your fan base early. One, one last thing that I want to wrap up in our, in our final few uh, moments here is engine optimization. Search engine optimization is key. And I remember when I first began the website, Chris had, had uh, plenty of web designing experience uh, from, his, from his previous life. And he would say he would tell me to you know embed specific words in the in, you know secretly in the in the in the on our yeah, homepage. That doesn't even work anymore. And, and uh, oh really? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> They're but, still there. The words well, are still there. Yeah, but, but Google uh, now has these algorithms that you know it recognizes those as as bait and ignores them. Ah. You know, so they're very very special. You know, certain things you can do, and it's mostly to do with content. You know, they'll just scan every page of your website, and if it mentions a particular type of content, then it will, it will be pumped up. It will boost you. But, but had we started earlier, our engine optimization would have profited significantly from that. It didn't. It took a little longer than I had expected before we were the top hit when you typed in cryptic pictures, or uh, or mortal remains, or even Carl Atticus. Wasn't there? Isn't there somebody named Carl Atticus in the Midwest, and <laughs> he uh, would come up when people would do the search or something like maybe. that? Maybe I can't remember. But but um, my my point being is, you don't need an IT expert to to better understand engine optimization. There are YouTube clips. That, uh, Google has in, in its FAQ has an article and article after article regarding engine optimization, how to take advantage of it, um, how to get your your hit count higher, how to get your website, your film website, your company website at the top of the list. And it helps to have a video too. Google search results respond favorably to a video. To videos. Yeah. So if you have a trailer, set up a YouTube account. YouTube is owned by Google. Set up a YouTube account and have your trailer under your company name and then link it to your own website and then suddenly you have that much more chance of being spotted right away on a search. The key here, again, once again, don't wait, okay? The sooner you, even if your film never gets made, at least your company will be established. And, you know, gosh almighty, Hollywood's memory 
short-term memory is very short. Yeah. You know, two years from now, people aren't going to be, weren't you working on a such and such a project? If you've already begun to slam them with information on a whole new project that you're working on, it's kind of like when critics reference a film. They can only reference films from the last 30 or 40 years. Who's talking about anything that was made in the 30, 20s or 30s unless they're a, you know, a true historic uh, uh, archivist or film critic that really understands the, the, the business or the industry, I should say. But... But the key here, of course, and I, I'm going to continue to repeat it because I really want to beat it into every independent filmmaker's mind, begin the hype early. Begin talking about who you are, what you're doing early, um, and, and then continue to pummel the, the, uh, the online world. With to give you some idea of how short Hollywood's memory span is, I was at the at Walmart where they have the big bin of you know movies for $5.00. You're thinking, my God, this movie cost $75 million to make, and now it's in the $5. <laughs> but one of them was um, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Ridley Scott. Yeah, Ridley Scott. R- Ridley definitely. Scott, the Bible movie. We, we saw it. It was kind of fun. But it was it, it, the DVD cover. And DVD, unfortunately, is already dying as a medium, and so is Blu-ray, but we'll get to that later. It says, from the director of Gladiator. So, I mean, like they wouldn't, people don't recognize the name Ridley Scott. You know, Joe Blow shopping at Walmart has no idea who Ridley Scott is. Right, right. From the director of Gladiator. So that's, you know, forget he made Blade Runner, he made Alien, he made 1492. I mean, all the other movies he's made in the past 30 years, he's the director of Gladiator. Because that's the audience they're appealing to with that particular movie. From the producers of my big fat Greek wedding. Right. <laughs> uh, listen, folks, we're going to wrap up here uh, and uh, we're going to go ahead and kick into our next episode. In about a month, we're going to be doing production and post production how not to make a movie. Because uh, if you can make a film backwards, we did it. And yeah. we're going to show you and tell you uh, about that experience. <laughs> and how not to do it yourself. <laughs> All right, more to come, folks. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.